Welcome to Harvest Beyond Sunday, a podcast that seeks to inform and equip the members of Harvest Church, as well as celebrate what God is doing in and through our bodies. Today we're going to discuss a very convicting topic, and it is regarding stewardship. And the two categories that we're going to discuss today are very important for us as believers to exercise proper discipline over. And those categories are time and money. And uh, I've just got to go off the top here and say, this is the second time we've recorded this episode. And so if you hear any resentment in Wes's voice, (laughs) it's because I have forced him to come back and record this episode uh, for uh, your benefit. Uh, Previously, we we recorded, we got halfway through and it was at an hour long. So I thought we needed to come back and shorten it up a little bit. Chop it up. Let's go. (laughs) So without further ado, let's dive in. The first uh, category we're going to discuss is uh, stewarding our time and, and, and exercising a disciplined use of time. John 17, 4, these are the words of Jesus in the high priestly prayer. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. We see that Jesus uh, was here on earth for a, a set amount of time, a limited amount of time, yet he used that time wisely and accomplished the work in which uh, God had for him to do. Yeah, I love this verse. This is a verse we teach uh, a lot in Downline and, and around the globe and, and local missions. And, and we ask people, okay, well, what is the work that Jesus came to do? He, he says it is finished twice, or he has accomplished the work, finished the work. So what's the work he's talking about here? And because it can't be the work of the cross. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. So that's the finished work of salvation. What he's talking about here is the finished work of reproduction. And so his mission on earth, uh, outside of salvation, but during his public ministry, was to make disciples, to disciple the twelve. And so he is praying to the Lord and he's saying, hey, I've finished the work of reproduction that you've given me to do, reproducing the kingdom into the lives of these men. And, uh, and so it's important for us to know that, you know, the best use of our time, which we're going to look at Ephesians 5.15 here in just a second, is to continue to make disciples, to be that gospel-centered, disciple-making focus. So right off the bat, stewarding your time, the the best thing we can do is be focused on making disciples because that's what Jesus came to do. That is a good word, Wes. And, you know, as I look at that verse from John 17, you know, thinking about being able at the end of my days to be able to say that I have accomplished the work you gave me to do. And that's what will ultimately guide our discussion uh, through stewarding our time well uh, is have, are we accomplishing the work that God has given us to do this hour, this day, this week, this life? And so, as you mentioned, we'd read five, Ephesians five fifteen through 16. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days 
are evil. You know, to have a disciplined use of time, we have to use our time wisely because the days are evil. And let's just be honest. We live in a world where it makes it incredibly difficult to use our time wisely. You think about social media. You think about all the shows you can watch on TV. Uh, you think about, uh, you know, the, the temptation to uh, drown out what's going on in our life with uh, sports or alcohol or you name it. Uh, it's, it's hard to, to use our time wisely in the world we live in today. Yeah, you're right, Graham. And, you know, we're fallible human beings, so we get distracted, but we're also... We need rest, and and I, I know when I'm tired, when I'm exhausted, um, usually more prone to kind of waste my time instead of just focusing on getting quality rest. But when it says that the days are evil, you know, don't make the mistake of thinking like extreme evil. Like, well, I, you know, I'm not plotting to uh, uh, to harm anyone. I'm not plotting to steal and thieve and break the law. It's not like. Uh, there are lots of forms of evil that don't always involve criminal activity. Uh, and so anything that's not stewarding the kingdom well, uh, you know, could be labeled as a, a, a lack of or a poor use of your time. Yeah. And it's just important to know that, you know, if, if God is calling us to use our time wisely, well, what is Satan going to want us to do? He's going to want us uh, to waste our time, to squander our time, uh, to use it for uh, temporal things and not for eternal things. And so uh, we have to understand that, yeah, while it might not be overly evil, you know, the days are evil, but it is an act of evil. And Satan's goal is to take our minds, bodies, uh, and lead us toward evil, not towards Christ's likeness, which is why Colossians 3.2 is so important. Where Paul tells the Colossians, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so we are naturally inclined uh, to uh, go towards ease, to pleasure, to gluttony, and to sloth. So we need to discipline ourselves uh, in how we walk in this world so we won't be conformed by it. Remember, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus came so we may have life and have it abundantly. And one of the primary ways that we have life and have it abundantly is that we steward our time well and we use it for the glory of God. The second thing I would like to discuss is that when we use our time wisely, uh, we are prepared for eternity. And also, not only that, uh, but that we understand that time on earth is short and that it's uncertain. One day we're going to breathe our last. And when we do, when we come to that moment in our life, when we breathe our last, are we prepared to meet the Lord? Second Corinthians 6, 2 says, for he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you in a day of salvation. I've helped you behold. Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, not to sell fire insurance, um, or scare someone uh, into receiving Christ. Uh, but we, uh, don't know how much time we have left here on earth. In order for us to spend eternity with God in heaven, we have to first come to an understanding of the gospel and uh, trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who died for us on the cross, who was buried and resurrected three days later. And when we uh, believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And uh, today can be the day of salvation for you. Uh, and we want to make sure that uh, we use our time wisely so that now, so that we are prepared for eternity. Yeah, James 4, 
15 says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And then John, First John 2, 17 says, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I, I'll never forget, I, I think it was Soup in um, one of the early downline uh, summits that they had. He made a comment one time that we, he was talking about how we waste a lot of natural resources. It could have been Steve Winstead said this, but we waste a lot of natural resources and we just can consume stuff. We're wasteful. He said, but the greatest waste of resources are the men and women lying in their graves who never stewarded their lives towards advancing the kingdom. And, and that thought's always kind of resonated with me. So when we talk about preparation for eternity and time is short and uh, we don't know when our life's going to end, there's one thing we don't get to do in heaven, and that's share the gospel. That's that's advance the kingdom of Christ through our actions, through our words, through our lifestyle, so on and so forth. And so uh, we need to be preparing for eternity and and make the best use of our time and influence others uh, for the cause of Christ uh, as best we can. You know, we're not we're not all perfect at that. And there's certainly time for rest, relaxation and other things in life, enjoyment. Um, but but as much as possible, stewarding the gospel well is uh, is the best use of our time as we prepare for eternity. Yeah. And, you know, in Proverbs 27, one says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. And, uh, you know, thousands uh, already up to this point and today have entered eternity and many didn't know that it would be their last. And, uh, you know, uh, here at our church and the life of our body, where we're at right now, we've experienced this in a very real way uh, where we've lost uh, four dear friends uh, unexpectedly. And uh, none of them thought that their life would end that day. And, um, and so as we come, uh, we need to come to, when we come to this podcast, we think about our time, we need to realize that every breath is a gift from God. And, um, we want to use those, uh, breaths, uh, however many more he may give us, uh, for his glory and his glory alone. You know, Psalm 31, 15 says, my times are in your hand, uh, that uh, God has an allotted amount of time for each of us on this earth. Uh, and at any moment he can, he can, uh, bring us to him in heaven. And, uh, let's make sure that we as believers are uh, not squandering the time he's given us. Let's make sure we're using it, uh, for his glory. And I understand that at this point, uh, we might be grieving years that we've lost, maybe years that we've wasted. Maybe there's just a season of our life, an extended season where uh, it was really dry spiritually. But I'm encouraged by the words of Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so I'm I'm so encouraged by that because you might look in the rear view mirror of your life and think, man, I've I've really wasted a lot of time uh, and I didn't use that time for God's glory. But let's hold on to these words of Paul here where uh, he's not allowing that to uh, identify him. He's not allowing that to hold him back. Instead, what he's looking uh, at is forward, at uh, his ultimate call right now uh, to make Christ known and make Christ great in his life. And today you can start by looking in the rearview mirror, accepting the reality of years gone by where you weren't uh, making an impact for the kingdom of God and looking forward and how you can in your personal life, uh, at work, in the home, in the neighborhood, uh, you name it. 
those of you in the business world and in marketplaces, or even if you're in school, uh, there's a lot of talk about goals and goal setting and, and goal setting is a, as a healthy practice. This is the only time I think in the entire uh, ESV that the word goal is used. And so if you want to know what uh, one of the major goals of Christianity is it's it's what Paul lists right here is that uh, kind of forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies in, pressing on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So just keeping that inter- eternal perspective in focus, keeping that kingdom mind at play and, and, and in our actions and our thoughts and our deeds, advancing the gospel, um, that, that was a goal for Paul. The next thing we'll discuss is very sobering, and ultimately, uh, one of the reasons why we want to be wise stewards of how we use our time is because ultimately, we are accountable to God for how we use our time. Romans 14, 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Ultimately, at the end of our life, uh, when we go and stand before the Lord Jesus, uh, we will give an account. Uh, to how we've lived our life and and how we've used our time and how we've used our money and, and resources. Um, and that's a really sobering reality that uh, every decision I make, every uh, movement I make in life, uh, how I uh, act in front of others and behind closed doors and um, how I uh, uh, utilize uh, what God's given me, uh, I'm going to have to give an account for. <laughs> the gifts, the skills, uh, you name it. And that's really sobering when we sit back and think about it. You know, I had a mentor when I was in college uh, who would always kind of say when he was making decisions, you know, when I stand before the Lord one day and give an account, blank. <laughs> and I was always like, man, so now I've kind of taken that on uh, in my own personal life of, you know, when I stand before the Lord, am I confident and how I have used my time uh, with this job, uh, with my kids, in the house, et cetera. Uh, that's a really sobering reality and something that we have to come to grips with, that we all, all believers, will give an account to the Lord. Hebrews 5.12 uh, says this, the writer of Hebrews uh, writes to these believers, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. And so we see uh, here the author of of Hebrews had this expectation that his audience uh, were growing in their relationship with Christ. And not just growing, uh, but at this point in their walk with Christ, that they would be teaching others. But he finds them in a position where uh, they need to be taught again. And he finds them where they should be eating solid food, but instead they're uh, still drinking milk. They're still in the infancy of their faith. And uh, a large part of that was probably because they weren't stewarding their time well. Yeah, just a couple parables, uh, Luke 19, I think it is, and then Matthew 25, parable of the talents. These are are great parables from Christ that remind us to have a good stewardship of our time, to be making those gospel advancements and deposits into the lives of others. And it's exciting to know that we'll stand before the Lord and our sins will not be counted against us, but there will be an, an evaluation of the use of our time. It's, it's sobering. It's kind of scary, but it's also, you know, will be thrilling to be before Christ. And, and of course, none of us will 
uh, you know, stand up there and, and bat a thousand. But we will. Uh, it'll it'll be glorious to celebrate uh, what the Lord has done through the lives of men and women. And uh, there'll be some unsung heroes there. And, and just uh, I had lunch with a with a missionary partner recently, and uh, he was in the business world, didn't want to go into missions. His wife felt like they were called into missions there. The, these folks are in Europe. And he's like, no, I'm not called to be a missionary. And so the Lord, <laughs> the Lord in his quiet time one day said, Hey, what would you do if you only? Uh, how would you change your lifestyle if you only had thirty days to live? And and so he's just kind of reflecting on that. And he's like, Gosh, I, I probably wouldn't go to work. I'd probably you know share the gospel. I'd be out doing all those other things. And and then, then the Lord hit him with the second question he didn't expect. And he goes, Well, what's the difference between thirty days and thirty years? <laughs> and so he's like, I guess you're right. So now they've been missionaries for well over a decade. But uh, it's just a you know it's a good question. Like you know if we a good thing to thought think about if we uh, knew our time was short, we like kind of knew that end date was coming and it was soon. How would we change our lifestyle? Well, that identifies what is ultimately valuable in our lives. Um, so, steward that towards kingdom purposes, I guess, as you reflect in your own life and your mm-hmm. use of time. Because uh, the last point here is, is uh, time is so easily not the last point. But the next last point is time is so easily lost. Uh, and and we can't get it back, and and it just kind of it's it's fleeting. It's always ticking. Time is a gift from God. Uh, he created time for us uh, to steward well, and we will so easily waste it. <laughs> you know, the top two boneheads in the Proverbs are number one, the fool, and number two, the sluggard. Proverbs twenty six thirteen through fourteen says. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Just lazy. They see a problem. They don't want to do anything about it. Proverbs 22, 33 through 34 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Notice that everything in this verse regarding the sluggard starts with just a little, a little of this, a little of that, and all of a sudden, uh, poverty has come upon him like a robber. We don't just go automatically into uh, wasting large chunks of time. It always starts with a little, a little of this, a little of that. And so we got to be really cognizant and careful of of how we're spending our time because, you know, a little time on social media will soon become a lot of time on social media. Uh, a little time bi- watching a Netflix episode will turn into binging full episodes over a weekend. Then you you look back at how you spent your time and you think, oh my gosh, <laughs> where did my time go? Uh, it all starts with a little. We have to be really good evaluators of how we spend our time now uh, so that when we do stand before the judgment seat, uh, we're not uh, re- we don't ha- we're not filled with regret for how we've spent our time, which leads to you know the next thing is that uh, we might squander our time now, and, and we might not find our time super valuable right now. Uh, but we all know this is that when, at the time of our death, we will really value time. The skeptic Thomas Hobbes, uh, his last words were, "If I had the whole world, I would give it to live one day." Uh, here's a man lying on his deathbed, uh, wishing he had one more day to live. And uh, we, we, when it, we come to the end of our days, we're really going to look back and value our time. And, you know, one of the things as a father of three right now that I, I hear a lot 
our folks who see us with our kids and say, I wish we had one more. I wish we had two more kids. You know, I, 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 I thought we were strapped for time then, but I looked back and, and saw the worthy investment of it, the noble investment of raising kids. And when you've graduated from certain seasons of life, you look back and think, man, I wish I'd used my time better in that season. Or I, I wish I had uh, pursued more noble and worthy causes during that season. So we might not value our time now, but we will value it when we're at death or uh, past a certain season of our life when we look back and wish uh, we had used it more fully. Um, but you know, uh, one of the enemies of us pursuing our time is uh, that we choose a, ch- a, a course of life based on pleasure than on joy found in pursuing the Lord and pursuing these disciplines that we've discussed. And Proverbs five eleven through 13 says, And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, How I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. When we get to the end of our life, uh, I can tell us this much. Now, I'm speaking to myself that we don't want to groan. We don't want to have regret of how we spent our time. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I get to the to, to my last breath, I hope I can take it in confidence knowing that I've used every moment for the glory of God. Uh, now, I know that's not going to be possible. <laughs> I'm going to fail and fall short, but I hope that I've used my time uh, to, to glorify God and to further his kingdom, and I can feel comfortable with how I use the time that the Lord gave me. And Jonathan Edwards shared the same sentiment. He said, he's quoted, resolved that I will live today so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. And I love that, that he is resolved to live today as he wish he had when the day came for him to pass away. Also, I wanted to share a story, Graham, about um, actually one of my my dad's colleagues um, back home in the Carolinas. She uh young lady whose father was diagnosed with cancer um, a couple of years back. Uh, she just described the last couple months of his life um, as, as just being on fire for the Lord. And, um, you know, she believed that to that point in his life, to the point of the diagnosis that he was a sincere believer, but after he received the diagnosis, it's like he just lived all out um, for the gospel and the way that she described it. And I thought this was just beautiful, beautiful and eloquent. Um, she said, you know, I just, I wish for all of us that we could live with dying grace in our living hours. Um, so a lot packed in there, uh, very convicting to think, you know, if, if we did know we only had a finite amount of time to live, which we all do ultimately, but if we knew, okay, I likely only have three months. I likely only have six months. I likely only have two weeks to live. Um, it would drastically change how we approach, uh, you know, the fervency with which we share the gospel, the gentleness with which we approach our spouse, the tenderness that we uh, treat our children with. Um, it would just drastically change the way we view the use of our time. And uh, we would want to use it in such a way that truly glorifies the Lord. Well, that's a great way to conclude that part of the episode. Uh, But before you move on in this episode, maybe just push pause and evaluate the way that you are stewarding your time. Uh, Are you uh, living your life with dying grace in your living hours? Are there any areas of your life where the Lord, the Spirit is starting to convict you 
and and how you are living, uh, how you're spending your time, maybe things you need to cut out uh, so that you can um, uh, use it wisely. Because remember, the days are evil, and Satan does not want us to use our time wisely, uh, but God does, because uh, it is for his glory and for your good. All right, we're going to move on uh, to uh, the second part of this um, episode, the disciplined use of money, stewarding our money well. All right, I've got a funny story. Oh, I don't know how funny it is. It's probably going to cause some folks to have some anxiety. Um, but when Mallory and I lived in Dallas, we were members of a church uh, for a year. And uh, part of membership at this church was you had to be in a, in a community group. And they had a year-long community group r- curriculum. And don't worry, we're not going to uh, st- start doing this at Harvest, you know, with this curriculum. But So take a deep breath. Uh, but we had a year-long curriculum, uh, and they had different topics. And one of those topics was money. And one of the assignments that you had to do as a member uh, was you had to take a budget, and you had to write out how much money you made in your household with your wife, and you had to line every budget item out. And then you came to your community group and handed your budget, and everyone went through your budget together and uh, determined how you were using your money and if you were using it wisely. Now, when I tell that story, you probably have a couple of reactions. You probably think, heck, no, I would not do that. It's none of their business how I spend my money. Um, but it was one of those things that, or you might be sitting there going kind of convicted. You don't want people to know how you're spending your money, right? And uh, isn't that an interesting reaction that we have when it comes to money. And why is it that we have that reaction to money? Uh, why is that we have that guttural response that anytime you start talking salaries or talking about how much someone makes or how they spend their money, all of a sudden everyone's chests get a little tight and they, they get uncomfortable. Uh, you know, while I wouldn't agree with having to do that necessarily uh, in, in a church community group setting, uh, some of us may need to. Some of us may need someone to look at our finances with us and help make wise decisions with it. Um, but it is one of those things that we need to we need to look through the lens of Scripture and see how God wants us to steward our money. Uh, well, the first thing we'd say is with money is that God uh, wants us to take care of our families with our money. First Timothy five eight says, "But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith." And is worse than an unbeliever. So, so off the top, you know, God has given us money. Uh, that's his, which we'll discuss here in a second. Uh, but ultimately for us to provide for our families. The second thing is that we need to uh, come to grips with is that God owns everything. First Corinthians 10 26 says, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Exodus 19 5 says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. We see that God owns everything, and that includes our finances. And so when we grasp our finances with white knuckle intensity, uh, that is not a Christian's posture. A Christian's posture with our finances is an open-handed reliance and trust upon the Lord, knowing and understanding that he owns all of it and that he has given us all of it. Yeah, I mean, look, churches have been famous in history for abusing money. Churches are famous for people say all churches care about is money and, and all this you know stuff, and people would get funny with money. 
I don't think in my five years of being here at Harvest I've ever heard us, uh, you know, do a sermon about tithing or about money. There are times when stewardship has come up in the text or whatever. We've, you know, had some brief mentions. That's kind of rare uh, for a lot of churches. I'm not trying to puff our church up for a minute um, or anything like that, but uh, just because we don't speak about it, it doesn't mean it's not a uh, a kingdom principle. And uh, you know, for me personally, I don't speak for the whole staff or the elders or anything. But like, obviously, I'd love for you to to give to harvest because that if you know that affects uh, my missions budget and then if you know affects all of our salaries and how we pay the lights and you know everything, of course. But at the end of the day, like, I care more about are you just advancing the kingdom and stewarding and making sacrifices in your own personal budget uh, the way uh, that you should, whether that's giving to missions partners or local ministry or you know whatever it is. Like, but these are, these are sacrifices. And as you've already said, God owns it all. Uh, we have a responsibility. And uh, in, 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 in the next point is that giving is an act of worship. So it's not just a duty. This is not just something, oh gosh, God expects and 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 whatnot, but it's an act of worship. So Paul, when he's writing the letter of Philippians in, in Philippians 4.18, he's, he's uh, thanking the Philippians for their support and refers to their gift as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God. And so this is, uh, you know, when, when we hear this, it's a fragrant offering, you should think about the sacrifices in the Old Testament where animals and, and grain and different things were offered and burnt, put on the burnt altar, and the smoke went up, and it was a pleasing aroma to God. And that was an act of worship. And that was a sacrifice to have to pay for those animals or raise those animals. And instead of eating them or using them for clothing and, and various other purposes or uh, using the food, uh, they they set it on fire as an offering, an act of worship to the Lord. Well, it's no different than than when you, you know, tithe here at the church or give money elsewhere to advance the kingdom. Just know that you are worshiping the Lord as you make this sacrifice in your budget. So it's not duty or obligation, but it's out of a heart for worshiping God. And then giving also reflects faith in God's provision. You know, God has given each of us money and he's given it to us in the first place. It is his. And giving back shows that we trust in the reality that he will continue to provide for our families. And so when we give sacrificially, uh, we're giving it knowing that God gave it to us in the first place and that he will continue to provide for us to continue to give and support ministries and the church and kingdom work. And then next, giving should be sacrificial and generous. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And so we see the churches of Macedonia uh, giving, not because they had a lot, <laughs> giving, in fact, uh, they didn't have much. They didn't have, they had very little, but they gave and their hearts overflowed in a wealth of generosity. 
And so they gave according to their means. And, uh, and not only uh, did they give, but they begged <laughs> to, uh, uh, to do so. Uh, it, was, uh, it brought them such joy to be able to invest in kingdom work. And so uh, I hope that that would be the tr- uh, true for every member at Harvest Church, that we would give, that we would all give generously and sacrificially, uh, and that it would be something that we look forward to doing. You know, one of the ways we can do this is by vetting uh, our church and potential ministries and missionaries that we are considering supporting. You know, that's one of the reasons why we at Harvest Church, if you're a member, uh, we have a members meeting in the fall where we uh, uh, go, we walk through line by line the budget of Harvest Church for the next fiscal year. And that is your opportunity to vet our budget and decide uh, if we are being wise stewards of the money that uh, God has given us through the contributions of our members. And it's your opportunity to uh, raise any concerns that you may have, uh, but also so that you feel good about contributing to the ministry of the church, right? And uh, same with potential ministries. Uh, I don't know that we should flippantly throw money uh, at ministries that we don't fully understand uh, what they're engaged in. Um, and uh, and so, you know, here at Harvest Church, we're really passionate about people that are uh, making disciples, that are furthering the gospel in, in uh, various countries around the globe. And Wes can talk a little bit more about that here in a moment. But Wes does a really good job of vetting our ministries and missionaries that we support. And we should do the same personally uh, in our own lives when we give to uh, folks and loved ones that we know that are are going into ministry, that uh, there's an accountability there. But I will say this, uh, once you've vetted them, give generously. And I promise once you've vetted them and you're giving generously and you're seeing the kingdom go forth through your contribution, you won't regret it. Yeah, thanks for saying a little bit about that, about, you know, missions and, and how the budget operates. I'll, I'll just say a couple of quick things and I'd be happy to talk to anyone that has further questions or maybe we just recorded a separate podcast sometime on on uh, missions philosophy and those those endeavors. But when you, you know, give to Harvest, 20% of every dollar you give goes outside of our doors. So just think about that for a second. Think about if that was true of your personal budget, that 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 you lived off of eighty percent of your income, and and that. But that's what we do here at Harvest is that twenty percent of it uh, goes straight straight outside these doors into missions endeavors, and we do take it very seriously who we support and how we support. Um, obviously, if we we launch a missionary, that's someone that we're going to support. And we try to have an equal balance of, of both local ministries and international mystery, ministries. So we, and you see that in our missions moments. I hope you see that balance, that we want to be impactful here in our city, not just with our dollars either, but with our, our personnel, our resource, other t- you know, time, everything. Um, but we do vet these these people and these ministries uh, as best we can, you know, you can't know everything. And sometimes you, you learn more as the relationship grows. And we try to have long-term partnerships that are uh, intent on making disciples and gospel advancement. And there's some there's some nuances to that, but uh, that's, the, that's the bullseye focus. So just know that we really do, um, you know, when you give here, it's not just uh, so that pastors can have expensive shoes and stuff like that. <laughs> we're we're we're, adva- we're sending out a, a a lot of money uh, to impact the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yep, and and just as a member, not even as a staff person, as a member, uh, when I give to Harvest Church, I'm thankful for that, uh, knowing that the money we give here is is going towards kingdom work 
all over the world. And that, that brings me personally a lot of joy as a member of our body. Um, the next thing is that giving reflects spiritual trustworthiness. Luke 16, 10 through 13 says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And what we see here is when God gives us money, if we are faithful uh, when we're young and have very little of it, uh, we will be more faithful of it uh, as we get older and, and can give more of it. And so this isn't a, uh, you know, um, prosperity theology pitch of, you know, give more money. So God gives you more. No, absolutely not. Uh, but that we, because we are faithful with what God has given us, uh, he is going to give us more. And that might be, uh, something that's not money. (laughs) It might be joy. It might be just a blessing of, of seeing someone come to Christ through our contribution. Uh, It doesn't mean we're going to get, you know, if we give a thousand, I'm going to get a thousand. Um, but I do think that if we give faithfully, uh, and, and use our gifts that God's given us, whether it's money, uh, or, uh, an ability or um, a way to use our time when he, when he is faithful to give us those things. If we're faithful with them, he will give us more and more opportunity. Yeah, I, I'll just share. A lot of times people want to know, well, what do you do with your, you know, but how do you, how do you do this, especially young couples or families or people that are growing in their faith and, you know, have never really stepped into stewarding their money towards the kingdom. So what, and Candace and I decided this years ago. So first of all, you need to be in unity, not just with the Lord, but as a couple, you need to communicate about your, uh, your finances together. Um, but we, we have a, a certain amount that is just like, it's like a percentage kind of that just comes off the top that's headed to the church no matter what every month. And we keep track of it. And, and, and so there's a just, uh, we're tithing to the church. But then also we have amounts above that that where we support, uh, you know, missionaries and uh, do monthly, you know, uh, contributions to some folks that have been meaningful or ministries that have been meaningful in our lives that the Lord's led us to do. And then we have a third category that's that where we not just trust God, but we trust each other when the Spirit moves to do random acts of kindness for folks throughout uh, the week or months people at people at work or people we just come across or, or whatever. And, you know, Candace and I have a lot of fun and joy over the years of saying, hey, this happened today. I hope you don't mind. I gave, whatever, 50 bucks, you know, here and there. And, and we celebrate that. And then we'll pray for those individuals. And so, that, you know, that's, you know, there are a thousand ways you can steward your money. That's kind of how we approach it. We've got some that goes to the church. we got some that goes to other kingdom endeavors. And we got room for the Holy Spirit to just just to move and, and, and break our hearts, but it really does reflect how much do you trust the Lord? And uh, you know, have we have we made sacrifices? Are there things that we've missed out on because we give money? Well, of course, but have we missed them? Absolutely not. And and because um, it's just a joy. It's a joy to to worship the Lord with our finances and trust him and watch him go to go to work. Absolutely. 
Next thing is that we should give out of love, not legalism. You know, Mother's Day just passed, and imagine if you had gone and bought your wife a gift or flowers, and you gave them to her and uh, and said, "Here you go, honey." She said, "Oh, thank you so much." And she goes, "Why did you do this?" And you said, "Because it's Mother's Day. This is what I'm supposed to do." <laughs> she would not appreciate the appreciate those flowers nearly as much uh, if you bought her flowers and given them to her and, and just expressed your love and gratitude for all she does uh, for you and for your kids and uh, your family and, uh, and 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 just let her know how much you love her. And and that's how we want to give too. Uh, we want to give because we love the Lord, not because we're here and the offering plate goes by and we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm at church. I'm supposed to do this. No, we want to do it because we love the Lord and we love um, what we're contributing to as a body. And just on a side note, I never buy my wife flowers on Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or any other holiday where the price of flowers is about three times as much. I'll, I'll pick a random day in April or September or something and buy her flowers. And uh, it's, you know, it's just a, it's a better investment. And she's always surprised, you know, it's like she didn't expect it that day. So I don't know if that's good advice or bad advice, but it's kind of me being a a tightwad by not paying three times as much for flowers so that I can steward my daughter's, my dollars better for the kingdom later. How about that? Gosh, you're such a, (laughs) you're such a good steward of your money. Uh, You know, this is uh, St. Corinthians 9, 7 is uh, one verse, uh, probably I think it's the only verse I ever heard Bill Garner uh, talk about when it came to, to giving and finances. He said, each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why you never really hear sermon here at Harvest on, on money, unless it comes up in the text uh, through our preaching schedule uh, as we're walking through a book, is uh, because we want our members and, and folks to give cheerfully. Uh, we don't want anybody to feel um, uh, guilted into giving. We want them to give. Uh, as much as they want, as little as they want, uh, but we ultimately we want them to give cheerfully uh, because um, because God has has asked them to give that amount, and I, and I love that that I feel like that's the kind of the heart of harvest in, in a lot of areas is that we don't want anyone to feel mandated to do anything, uh, but we want them uh, we don't want them to have to do anything reluctantly or under compulsion, but we want them to do it out of a cheerful heart, um, and that that's true of our uh, tithing as well. And then uh, the next way uh, uh, we give is to meet needs. And we see in Acts 2 and Acts 4 and Acts 11 that the early church met the needs, the real needs of other believers. And again, here at Harvest Church, we do that uh, as a body where we have a benevolence fund when members of our church have a need that we help, like to help them meet that need. Uh, and that can be true of you, as Wes just talked about in his budget. Uh, Mallory and I have had that line at him in our budget as well. Uh, just a uh, random acts of kindness budget of being able to support and help others uh, who are who have fallen on hard times or uh, to, to bring them a meal after they've had a baby or uh, et cetera. And so uh, meeting the needs of others, we give so we can help meet the needs of others. We should also give in a planned and systematic way. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. 
So we see three things there. We see that uh, that Paul was asking them uh, to put aside some money on the first day of every week. This was planned. Uh, it didn't sneak up on them. They weren't always giving flippantly, but they had planned to give money uh, to the church. And then each of you, number two, that everybody in the church was uh, called to give, was called to contribute. And then number three, as he may prosper, that uh, as uh, their wealth grew, so should their giving, so should their tithing. So it was planned uh, that everybody did it, and as they prospered, it was planned and systematic. And, and you know, as someone who's lived in the nonprofit world, worked in the nonprofit world for um, uh, over a decade now, um, I can say that when when people give, set up monthly recurring contributions. It really helps you budget and plan for the year. And I know a lot of people like one-time gifts and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But when you have a steady flow of income coming in as a nonprofit, it's very helpful. It helps you steward the money that you've received well. Uh, It helps you plan for future months and years. Um, And it allows you to uh, know what uh, hills you can charge on a regular basis. And so you might consider, I know a lot of people back away from that because, uh, oh, I just set up on my credit card and I forgot about it. And they might feel a little conviction or guilt about that. But uh, just know that uh, from our end, it's helpful. <laughs> Not maybe that you forgot about it, but that um, we know that that money's coming in and we can use it uh, uh, even better if we didn't. Um, and then uh, lastly, we've already kind of touched on this, but by giving, you will be blessed. Luke 6, 38 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put back into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Um, you know, I have found in my own personal walk with the Lord um, that anytime we've given financially uh, or <laughs> of our lives relationally, uh, we receive so much more in return. Um And the Lord has blessed us immensely. And um, I would just encourage you as you're you're listening to this podcast, again, evaluate uh, how you're stewarding your money. Uh, Are you you contributing? Could you contribute more? Uh, What does that look like? Uh, as a, as a family unit, uh, does you, do your kids know you're giving, you know, one thing, this is just an aside. Um, uh, one thing that, you know, Mallory and I, uh, plan to do as we, uh, as we, as our kids get older and understand this concept more, uh, and even now, once they started to learn to speak, we would, uh, when they talk about money, we'd say, why do, why did God give us money to give, to save and to spend? <laughs> and they could say, you know, give, save, spend some of their first few words that they learned. Um, but uh, when they get a little older and can understand really the concept of giving, uh, at the end of every year, we want to pull aside and, and put uh, uh, and, and kind of open up our giving account, our uh, our investment account that we have for giving, and uh, sh- sh- lay out a few ministries that we're really passionate about. And as a family, decide how we're going to break down that money and how we're going to give it as a family unit. So they get to play a part in seeing mom and dad uh, steward the money that God's given us together. Uh, And so hopefully that will trickle down and pass down to future generations of Spell Kids, (laughs) that uh, the Spell family is a giving family, that we're a a contributing family. Um, And and also that they get to see us think through and process, why are we giving to this ministry and what do we hope to see by giving to it? And so you might uh, consider implementing something like like that in your own household for those of you with with older kids is so that it doesn't feel so flippant uh or um or too planned and systematic that you've forgotten about it but it allows you to kind of uh, le- let your kids in uh, behind the scenes and and play a part in, in giving that money as well 
And, and again, your family will be blessed for doing it. I can tell you that much. All right. Well, it's time to do a, a heart check, right? We just talked about stewarding our time and stewarding our money well. And we, we ended up getting uh, through this episode in, in less than an hour. Woohoo. <laughs> uh, but I will end with one last story. Uh, I, there's a great book. Uh, called uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by a guy named Stephen Covey. Highly recommend you read it. Uh, but one of the habits of a highly effective person uh, is, that Stephen Covey says is uh, to begin with the end in mind. And he tells this uh, beautiful story of imagine you, you've gotten into your car, you've gotten dressed up and you're headed to go to a funeral and you pull up into your church parking lot. You walk into the lobby and there's people mourning, they're crying, they're laughing and they're sharing memories of this person that they love so much and cherished in their life. Uh, and, and you're sharing with them and you go inside the sanctuary and uh, you look in the casket and you see that it's you and that it's your funeral. And then you grab a bulletin, you open it up and you see who's going to speak and you see that uh, your wife's going to speak. You see that one of your kids is going to speak. You see uh, that a coworker is going to speak about you, a friend, uh, and, and that your boss and your pastor is going to speak about you. And you begin to think about what they're going to say and, 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 and what you want them to say. And I think when it comes to this topic of, of, of stewardship, it's so important for us to consider uh, and begin with the end in mind, is that when we get to the end of our days, uh, what do we want people to say about us in regards to how we spent our time, how we spent our money? Uh, was dad always around? <laughs> um, did did uh, my husband pursue me <laughs> uh, abundantly? Um, or did I pursue my husband abundantly, my wife? Uh, uh how, how did he handle himself at work? Was he a good employee? Um, you can begin to think through those things. And it's sobering because, you know, when it gets down to it, we don't, we don't want, well, Wes Selectman was a tightwad with his money. <laughs> Wes Selectman was a lazy bum at work. You know, we don't want those things. True statements. Um, we, we want uh, people to speak highly of us and that we were good stewards of the things that God gave us, uh, whether that was a relationship, whether that was a dollar amount uh, or uh, an abundance of time to spend for his glory. Um, so begin with the end in mind. What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And I, I love that quote you know, that Noah gave us uh, uh, earlier in this episode, live with dying grace in the living hours. Well, that will close us out for this week. Next week, we will continue on in the sixth personal discipline, uh, fasting. While you're here, hit that subscribe button and share with your people.